Welcome to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast with Jacob Ayers, providing actionable content to help you along your journey to financial freedom through real estate investing. As the premier asset class, real estate has helped ordinary people just like you amass fortunes. The benefits of passive income from real estate investing will allow you to live a life you want. And now your host, entrepreneur, real estate investor, and apartment deal syndicator, Jacob Ayers. Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast. Hey, I'm your host, Jacob Ayers. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode. This week's guest is returned guest, Scott Smith, founder of Royal Legal Solutions. He's an asset attorney based out of Austin, Texas. Well, now he's living in Southern Utah. He first aired on the podcast, I believe it was episode 129, way back in 2018. So lots of new updates around the industry. Scott, hey, thanks so much for coming back on the podcast today with us. Oh, awesome, Jacob, to uh, to be here with you. You know, I always love to be able to bring that like asset protection attorney, make you know tax advisor meld into everything that you got going on, and it kind of be an open book for you here. So excited to share people about like my experience as a professional, but also as a real estate investor. Definitely, definitely. Well, Scott, we've got a lot of new listeners to the show. Not everybody's been around with us since those early terrible audio quality days of 2018. So for those new listeners. Tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, how you help real estate investors particularly. Yeah, so I started in real estate investing when I was in law school and I sold my first transmission and auto repair shop and graduated from law school without any debt. So it was $10,000 to buy the building. We ended up flipping it and graduated from law school debt-free. And after that, I started you know, in my career as a litigation attorney, suing insurance companies, but continue to buy real estate until I accomplished my own financial freedom doing real estate because I was making more money doing that than I was being an attorney. And I kind of just naturally fell into helping other people just live the same journey I did, right? As an attorney, right? Because I had to figure it all out for myself. And now I have the, over the last seven years of building now a team of uh, 40 people, five attorneys, helping 2000 clients and protecting over 3 billion assets everywhere across the country. And what's made us so successful is because we're continually in-housing everything we can. So everything from like the legal structuring to the estate planning, to the tax strategy, to the tax filing, to the bookkeeping, to your insurance, um, to actually creating deal flow and investment fund opportunities for our community. We've really found a place to have holistically a, like a one-stop shop for everything that real estate investors need. And that accelerates the pathway to financial freedom because the solutions are integrated and they're holistic and the most efficient you can get. Awesome. Well, Scott, I mean, I think this is a really important and fun conversation. Maybe from a beginner's perspective, when you're first getting started investing in real estate, there are just so many things that you feel like you have to know from finding and negotiating deals to financing deals to property management, not to mention all that kind of like quote unquote back of the house stuff like tax and legal and all that stuff. So it's awesome to have somebody like in your corner where you don't have to go out and, you know, be a tax professional or a legal professional. So tell us about like how you help investors with all those things you do. Yeah, well, there's just like a few key things that you're going to want to make sure to do as an investor, right? I mean, it typically comes down into about 10 steps, right? Okay, just simple 10. <laughs> quick 10 steps of what you want to do as a new investor. Your brand new, or if you might be seasoned, this is probably might be new for you. 
And the first thing that you want to do, we touched on this a little last time, Jacob was around like creating an asset holding company and an operating company as like your first two entities that you want. Like one company that holds all of your assets, holds them all anonymously, because if people can't find out what you own, they just don't sue, right? I mean, who sues somebody that looks like they qualify for food stamps, right? <laughs> In that asset holding company, if somebody sues you, they can't get to anything you own and that you can own and compartmentalize all of your assets and own all of those anonymously. So if grandma falls through the staircase, right? And your insurance doesn't happen to cover you, you know that that's the extent of your liability. I mean, the reason that the asset holding company became so important to me is because I had a friend of mine who lost over $3 million from a single lawsuit. Very well insured, had huge umbrella policies in place, but he didn't know that insurance companies only protect you against some of the types of risk some of the time, right? Now, he needed in place to have an LLC. It would have saved him over $3 million just having a single LLC in place. So when we start the journey, we say you need an asset holding company as your number one thing that you do. Scott, when people are getting started, so many people get tripped up and held up by, you know, wanting to have everything figured out from the get-go. I was guilty of that. I know I still am. But one good example is people want to get the uh, figurative business card figured out before they ever buy a property, right? In this scenario, that might look like they want to get the LLC set up before they ever have any assets to protect. And I feel like that trips people up. Obviously, asset protection is a very important strategy for a real estate investor. But oftentimes you find people trying to get all that set stuff set up on the front end before they have any assets, before they're even looking at deals. Do you ever see that? Yeah. I mean, I would say that you want to be able to know that you're actually going to use the stuff you're doing before you do it, right? So what I actually find is a lot of people will use, I need to know as an excuse to not be doing what it is they need to be doing. They use it for an excuse to an action. So if that's you, and that describes like what you're doing. If you're that person says, I need to know more before I start doing stuff, then I would look in deeper and say like, well, is that really an excuse that I'm using to not do the things that I know I could be doing, right? If you're checking off your top three to-dos every day, then you're probably doing fine. If you identify at the very beginning of your day, here's my top three to-dos that are most important for me to make a successful day, and you're not doing those, well, then you might be using stories to make yourself better, feel better about not doing the stuff you need to do, right? Now, that being said, I'm an asset holding company. If you have no assets, it doesn't make any sense, right? So <laughs> yeah. if that's the case for you, then what you should start with is just the operating company. That LLC that doesn't own anything, but does everything, enters into all the contracts for you, makes all the offers for you, hires contracts, enters into lease agreements with any tenants that you're going to come in place. And the reason you want to have that operating company is because if you enter into any of those agreements on your own in your personal name, now you're personally liable. And even though you don't own any assets, you have a credit score, which is your access to capital. And if you're sued, your credit score goes to crap. So what you need to do is have a shield in place to protect anybody from being able to sue you by using an operating company so you can protect that credit score. It's an asset, just like anything else. The only way to protect it is an operating company. Also, with that operating company, you're going to start to build business lines of credit independent from your personal credit score. And that takes usually about 18 months to two years. So having that set up early in the very beginning of the process will eventually give you access to capital in a way that you wouldn't otherwise have it, right? And business lines of credits can be in the millions of dollars, right? Whereas personal lines of credit are typically capped much, much lower than that. So if you don't have anything yet, then start with the operating company. 
Scott, let's put a little bit of a scenario around this asset holding company versus the operating company. Could you apply those both to a single property? Let's take a duplex or a small multifamily building, for example. How would that look? And would it make sense to have both of those entities for one property? Yeah. So let's take a look if a person had like two properties or three properties. Okay. okay. So the best thing to do would be to use a series LLC structure where you can form in Delaware, Texas, Nevada, or Wyoming, a state that has strong charging order protection. Series LLC can be used anywhere in the United States based upon the full faith and credit clause of the U.S. Constitution. Same reason you can form a Delaware LLC and use it anywhere in the country. Same reason that you can form a series LLC someplace and use it anywhere in the country from a legal perspective. Anybody tells you different, ask them about full faith and credit clause of the U.S. Constitution and what that meant in their constitutional law class. Yeah. And and ask them about (laughs) when they tell you like, oh, it's not valid in my state. It's like, you need to go back to law school and understand a little (laughs) bit about how the U.S. Constitution works and what people have been doing for the last 40 years in LLCs, right? And what makes sense. Anyway, I digress. So you'll need a series LLC and you want that series LLC to be owned anonymously, like using anonymous trusts. It's the most efficient way to protect your LLCs on the anonymity of your LLC and the underlying properties, not just in year one when you form it, but in every subsequent year. So a lot of people are trying right now are like, hey, I want to use a Wyoming LLC. And they say, great, my Wyoming LLC is anonymous. They say, oh, it's de facto anonymous when I searched online. And then what they do is they go ahead and form the Wyoming LLC or they hire an attorney that forms a Wyoming LLC for them, tell them it's going to be anonymous. And it's great. It's totally anonymous in year one. And year two, all of a sudden, all the information gets exposed on the public record when they do the public information report. So regardless of whatever state you have your LLC formed in, you need to have it tracks to an anonymous entity that eventually should be a trust, some type of revocable grantor trust. We just call those anonymous trusts. And those trusts aren't filed anywhere. And when you structure them through the law firm like ours, then all of the information regarding that trust and the underlying companies is all protected by the attorney-client privilege. And also attorneys are able to sign all that documentation for you on a yearly basis. So that way, you have the anonymity in year one and all of the future years, right? With the highest level of information protection and due to the series nature of the series LLC where you can compartmentalize and scale all of your protection for free without costing you anything more, without complicating anything in your life, running everything through a single bank account, single set of accounting records with usually no additional tax return being required for that. That's your best thing to use in terms of protection. It's your vault. Everything goes into that vault, that anonymous series LLC. Now you'll also have the operating company completely separate. So what LLC. you just explained there was the asset holding company, right? That's, That's what owns the property. Company. The title's in the series LLC itself. That's right. It's in the series LLC, usually actually held by a land trust that's in turn owned by the series LLC, right? So the way that that works from an asset holding perspective is that you have the property in your personal name right now because you're like, hey, my name is Jacob and I got five properties. I own them all in my personal name. I understand it's the worst possible way for me to own assets because if I get in a lawsuit, like a car wreck, anything I'm dealing with contractors, any emails I send and somebody sues me, my insurance is never going to protect me from that or offers me very minimal protection there. And that I want to get it held anonymous and protected. So what can I do? I'm going to take that asset and transfer it into a land trust because it's a transfer to a land trust then I avoid any of the due on sale clauses of the mortgage. And I can also own the property anonymously. My property is not going to get reassessed for moving it in into the land trust. 
And then the land trust can, is owned by the series LLC. So that's what offers it the protection. The land trust gives you the anonymity and the ability to get the best financing and still move it in underneath the LLC protections because you can use conforming loans by acquiring the property or personal name. And you get the protection because it's owned by the LLC. Now, I want to ask you about, you mentioned due on sale clause. That's a term even you hear in kind of the beginning real estate investor world. Everybody or a lot of people are aware of this and scared of it. In your experience, Scott, have you ever seen that due on sale clause triggered for moving a property from your personal name to an LLC, et cetera? Well, if a person went to an LLC, that you technically violated the due on sale clause. Now, a personal name to a land trust, you don't, per the St. Germain Act. Their banks are, for, are stopped, meaning that they can't foreclose on an asset based upon the due on sale clause when it's a transfer to a trust, right? Now, that's going to apply to your conforming loans for one to four unit properties. It's not going to apply to your commercial loans, right? So if, if you have commercial loans that are in place, you need to get lender approval. But from the lender's perspective, right, there shouldn't be any material difference in the loan, right? Like it's the same exact collateral. It's still you being the borrower. Nothing has really materially changed. Okay, sure. So all in all, kind of pulling back up big picture here, your recommendation is to own your properties in an asset holding company, which is a series LLC. That series LLC in turn owns the land trust, which owns the title to the specific property. Do I have that right so far? That's right. Yeah. Okay. And now the reason you do this, Scott, are for several reasons. One of them, you mentioned anonymity. Why is that so important? Well, it's really important because anonymity is how you stop lawsuits before they start, right? If people can't find out where your assets are, the extent of those assets, where they're located, what you own, then you're not a target for the lawsuit, right? Lawsuits are a business. They need to know how much money they're going to get from suing you. Otherwise, a lawsuit just gives you a piece of paper, right? So we want to make them think, and in the LLC world, we actually make it a reality that it looks like you own nothing. And if they do sue, right? then they're actually going to find out that you actually don't own anything. That it's actually these LLC structures that own everything and they can sue you all day long and they won't get anything. And if it sounds confusing to anybody listening to this, if you go onto my website, theroyallegalsolutions.com, and we'll plug it here at the end of the episode, we have all of this diagrammed out and instructional videos on there. So if you're like feverishly trying to figure this out <laughs> with a pen and paper realm, just stop, just listen, then go afterwards at the very end here. And then that's where you're going to be able to get that 2.0 kind of education. Cool. Now you mentioned there are four states that recognize the series LLC or where you can create a series I LLC. Recognize, create. I, I didn't go to law school, Scott. So that's why I've got folks like you. <laughs> that's right. Recognize implies that you can't use it anywhere else. And that's yes. the misnomer that's everywhere online. They're like, well, we don't know if they recognize it. Well, the US Constitution, full faith and credit says, no, you're obligated to recognize the laws of another state. Laws that create and allow for the creation of LLC are laws of the state. Therefore, it's plain. It has to be recognized, right, on the face of it. Now, there's four states that are ideal to create your series LLC. And for that, what you're looking for is charging order protection. Charging order protection is defined as if I sue Jacob, can I get to Jacob's ownership interest inside of his LLC? Essentially making his LLC and him one person when I sue him. So if you have like LLCs formed in California, there's no charging order protection. They can sue you and then take whatever's in your LLC. Well, what good is an asset holding company if they can sue me and then take my ownership inside of the LLC, right? right. So you need to form in states like Delaware, Texas, Nevada, and Wyoming that have strong charging order protection. 
they're all the same between those four. Now, let's talk about charging order protection around sole member LLCs. It kind of makes sense that the government would protect, say, myself and my partner. You know, say, Scott, you sued me. My partner wouldn't want you coming in and taking my interest and then having you as their partner, right? So it makes sense to protect more than one member LLCs. But what about sole member, single member LLCs? Yeah, I mean, it has to do with the fact of saying, like, are they going to say that this is actually a true business endeavor or not, right? So when you start to look at like multi-member LLCs, there's arguments in place to be able to say, well, that you wouldn't have the same type of exposure as single member. Now, the issue is that if you form in Delaware, Texas, Nevada, or Wyoming, there's actually no difference between single member and dual member. So what we always do is just say, great, we're going to form in those states because they have the strongest charging order protection. Uh, we're going to be okay with single member. And we use that as our baseline. If it's going to be in any states where you're trying to avoid, trying to thread a different needle, well, then you're going to have to look at your own state's laws to say, what are the LLC protections in that state? What is it if one member versus two member versus does it matter at all for them? Do they care about that? That's why I'd saying, well, that's a bad game to play. What we should be playing is what's the standardized path to success instead of trying to find out new nuances of something I could be doing that's differently is usually our typical recommendation. Now, you can create series LLCs in any four of these states you mentioned, no matter what state your property is in. Is that right? Yeah. So you can actually create, I think, series LLCs now in like over 20 states, right? It's been around for over 20 years. But yeah, you create it in one of those four states. And then what you use is a land trust to hold title to the property in that state. Because the land trust is holding title to the property in the state, there's actually no foreign entity registration or requirement of your series LLC. And then the land trust is in turn owned by the series LLC. So that's how you can avoid foreign entity registrations, no matter what, how many states you're operating in. You only need one entity to maintain with one bank account, one set of accounting books, and no additional tax returns. And then when you scale into any different states, it's infinitely scalable. It doesn't cost you any more as you scale. And the land trust keeps you from having to do a bunch of registration and annual compliance. Explain exactly what a land trust means, Scott. Most people are familiar with the term LLC, but a land trust is a little bit new to a lot of people. So explain what that is exactly, please. Yeah, a trust is just a vehicle that you can create on your computer. It doesn't require any type of formation, right? You can actually, uh, like with filing with the state, right? A trust is just something of that entity and a land trust is that entity that can hold a piece of land. Now, revocable grantor trusts don't have any tax consequences. There's no tax filings for them. They're really easy to create. And you can create the anonymity with them because there's no filing, right? So it's the ideal vehicle to just layer into your structure any place that you want to create anonymity. Okay, got it. Makes sense. Yeah, you bring up a good point too, the tax incentives. A lot of people, I think, mistakenly think that by filing an LLC, they have added tax incentives. Are there any tax incentives that you would get by having an LLC that you would not get by not having an LLC? Well, there's some, right? Like if I form an LLC and I choose to elect it to have it taxed as an S corporation, I can avoid self-employment tax, right? Okay, right. So that's where you have like over $50,000 a year typically is your threshold point that you want to start analyzing that strategy. My understanding is that as just an LLC sits from that zero to $50,000 range, that there's no additional tax savings that you get other than what you would get as just being a sole proprietor. I wouldn't say that I'm like the foremost knowledgeable person on like every type of tax. Maybe there's something you know about that, Jacob, that people take advantage of 
and single member LLCs versus sole proprietorships. But my understanding is exactly the same. And you don't need to do anything extra at that point until you start crossing that $50,000 mark. Yeah, no, I agree with you. In fact, the opposite. I've never heard of any tax incentive that you get by having an LLC as opposed to just being a sole proprietor, et cetera. So no, that's all good information, Scott. You know, this sounds very complicated on the surface, especially if this is your first time, you know, hearing about asset protection, you're like, whoa, I just bought a duplex. Calm down. I've got like $10,000 to my name. I don't need all of this stuff. Where's the right line for somebody to start thinking about asset protection in their investing journey, Scott? Well, everybody should start thinking about now, right? When you want to take action, it's totally going to be dependent on your circumstances, right? So what we did is we actually built a community. We meet three times a week, one time a week on taxes, one time a week on investing, and one time a week on execution. Like actually, how are we going to become more effective and more focused executors on building whatever our future is going to be as investors? So those calls inside of Royal Legal Solutions in our community happen every single week and they're free to join. Right. So it's high levels of accountability, leverage networking. You actually get to meet all of the other members of the community in there and then interact directly with our professional team inside of the community. Right. So if like the professional saying whatever, the community will speak up, be like, we think that's awesome, or we don't agree with that. I think something else might be different here. And we don't propose to necessarily know everything. Right. So we try to facilitate the communal knowledge of our community together to say that's what's powerful. And we leverage that offline with our Discord channel. It's a community-led Discord channel, but our professional team oversees it. So that way, with any questions that you have, you can raise that channel and get recommendations from the community about what resources that we have that were helpful for them, as well as from our professional staff looking over to say, hey, great, this is the stuff you should look into with that kind of question. These are the videos that we already have that answer that kind of issue. We think like this free course that we have would actually be available to you and point you in that direction. And so it's not a question of like, do I need to take action at the end of this podcast? Besides saying, well, maybe there's a community of people who have already walked this journey before that I can interact with and learn from to know when it's right for me to take those next steps and can coach me both from a professional level, but as a peer level of what is going to be the best steps for me. Now, that's really awesome. That's great to hear that you've got that community for people to join. Like I said, I wanted to get you back on because I know so much has changed with your firm, Royal Legal Solutions. Since we last talked, you've got all these new different offerings now and this sense of community and these tools for people to go out. I was checking out your website uh, recently. I noticed you've got a bunch more resources and learning uh, kind of resources there for people. So yeah, there's only so much you can get in a podcast like this. So definitely go check that out. Scott, what are some maybe hurdles you see beginning in real estate investors get tripped up with early on in their career when it comes to this asset protection kind of arena, if you will? Well, one is that people think this stuff is difficult and it is, unless <laughs> you've standardized it, right? It's really difficult to do on your own, but we helped, we specialize just in real estate investors, right? We have over 2000 clients. So you're special, but your business isn't. It operates essentially just the same as everybody else's, right? 95%. So there's only 5% of your business that we really need to customize. Until that point, it's here's best practices, right? That are used. And then we tweak it for anything that might be special about your case. The next thing that people trip up is they say, okay, well, great. I get it. You're going to create everything for me and make it super easy for me to do. And that I'm going to have to do very little each year to be able to understand what my responsibilities I have to do, but you guys are taking care of everything else. So yeah, that's right. 
But well, what about like all the taxes? Well, we have an in-house CPA, MBA, and CFO that we can even provide fractional services from everything from just filing your taxes to tax strategy sessions to people that are more advanced investors that need that kind of CFO level knowledge that says, great, well, let's actually start to look at all the numbers of different parts of your business. How could your financing actually change what happens with your investments? If that changes on your investment size, what changes with your income? If that changes with your income, what are the changes in the tax strategies that you might want to do? And if we change those tax strategies, how is that going to change the total cash flow you have, right? Or how is that going to change the total taxable income you have? If you're at that place, you're like, I need those integrated types of thinking to help me strategize what happens with my finance. Yeah, you can do that. Or you can just be like, what impact does this tax strategy have? Or you can say, nope, I just need to file a tax return. And I think that's the biggest piece. Once you can figure out the legal structures, once you can see exactly what I need to do with my taxes and my finance and what moves I'm going to make and what financial impacts are going to have, then that's going to get you to move as a beginning real estate investor because you're going to see like, that's the thing I need to do. What are the clear action steps that I need to take, clear objectives that I need to hit to be able to increase my financial freedom number from 10 to 20% this year, for example. Great stuff. Scott, are there any kind of legislative things you see coming down the pipeline that might affect real estate investors around tax, legal, anything like that? I mean, there's some talk around here too about whether you know new laws are going to be able to blow up anonymity as it would relate to what type of anonymous structures people are able to do for information security purposes. My understanding with that currently as it sits and you know, this is all like question marks on if any of this is even going to happen anyway, is that it won't impact anything that we're doing at our level. They're worried about much different kettle of fish, so to speak. So, and I would say just generally speaking in here too, is that like, it almost never pays to be proactive about legislation, like before (laughs) it gets enacted, right? So I think that most of the time worrying about pre-enacted legislation is so far ahead of any level we care about at our level of investing because we're in the operating in the world that's immediate, like the one to two year world of like what's happening with my assets. So I just wouldn't get distracted with any of that stuff. If you're wanting to stay plugged in about it, the best thing to do is to come to Royal Legal Solutions website and give us your contact information. We'll automatically enroll you in our newsletter. And that's where we put up like, hey, this is where, what group coaching is happening this week. We're going to talk about these topics. These are our legislative updates. That's a routine part of what we talk about inside of our coaching. Just because even though I know it's probably not going to matter, right? Otherwise, you would have heard me proactively coming and screaming about it on all the podcasts that I could get on about it to be able to make sure everybody knows. Everybody wants to know, though, just to make sure that they're covering off on that area of your life, right? So we include that inside of our free group coaching that happens. Usually, I think it's on a monthly or quarterly basis. We cover off on that. Fantastic. Well, Scott, tell us where people can find more about you and your firm if they want to go and get uh, connected to that community. Yeah, you just go to royallegalsolutions.com. Click the Get a Price button in the top right-hand corner of the screen, and that's going to help get you to the quiz. The quiz is what we use to be able to grab all the information that's pertinent about you and where you're at in your real estate investing journey, because it's not just the information, it's the information at the right time for the investor in the journey that really makes the powerful move, right? So we need that information to find out who you are, where you're at in the journey to know what of the thousands of hours and videos, the 11 eBooks, the thousands of articles that we have are actually gonna be most important for you. And that's kind of our commitment 
to be able to help everybody at a no cost way to help form that relationship and help people down the journey. And so that way, if it makes sense and we can help educate you about how something can make sense for you, from what we've seen help thousands of other real estate investors, then we'll be able to form a partnership and we hope to be able to grow as you grow. I love it. Scott, hey, you've continued to help real estate investors throughout your career. You've got your podcast. You've got this community you've built for real estate investors. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing with the podcast. Yeah, man. I mean, it's the podcast and the group coaching that kind of all go into one, right? And we also have uh, Wistia channels and other channels that have all of our recorded shows. So what we're doing is we're using a curriculum-based approach with the podcast and all of the group coaching to say, hey, how can we create a free curriculum for people that we can create together with our audience members, do it every week. And so that way it's not just the information, but we're also seeing like the Q and A that happens with the audience. And then there's a follow-up conversation that happens inside of the discord channel for everybody else that's watching the show in between sessions, right? So this is where we're able to leverage actually in ways that are stronger than a traditional podcast, because all of the information gets vetted live in real time by an actual community of real estate investors for whatever they're learning. So it takes a lot of the guesswork and a lot of the BS out of things that you might otherwise be learning. I love it. Asset protection professional, real estate investor, host of the Real Estate Nerds podcast, Scott Smith. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast today. It's been a great time talking with you. Awesome, Jacob. Hope to see everybody at royallegalsolutions.com. Submit that quiz, guys. Let us help you just get some free, great information. Awesome. Thanks so much, Scott. Until next time. Thanks, Jacob. You've been listening to the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom podcast, providing you actionable content to build your real estate empire. Nothing on this show should be considered specific, personal, or professional advice. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, real estate, financial, or business professional for personal advice. The opinions of guests are their own. Information is not guaranteed. All investment strategies have a potential for profit or loss. The host is operating on behalf of the Real Estate Way to Wealth and Freedom, LLC, exclusively.